0: Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is, it's its 7 2022 and we are ready to begin our worship service. That We're going to just begin with a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time we have this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength. We thank you for those who have joined and uh, have prepared themselves for our focus, which, which is Romans tonight. We pray as we open our uh, Bibles and focus our attention on Your words and thoughts, that we'll be transformed into Your image. We we know that we are in the world, and we know that people are suffering all around us. Some of those suffering are those who are loved ones, so we pray for them. Uh, you know the names that are on our hearts, Father. We pray you would heal them if it be according to your perfect will. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, so as, um, as I said, our normal course of study on Wednesdays here is Romans chapter 11. Uh, we're going to try to tackle two verses tonight. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Romans chapter 11 verses 13 and 14, it reads, I am talking to you Gentiles inasmuch as much as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. I take pride in my ministry. So we are uh, fortunate enough as we are getting into Romans, and we're hopefully, and I would say, this is for me, the chapter is beginning to unfold, uh, and I'm hoping that it is that is happening for you as, as we get into these verses and get the context of what's happening and begin to see how there is a congruence, like a, a systematic way that Paul is speaking and teaching here, and ho- hopefully you, you're getting the you know the flow of what he's what he's getting at, what he's driving at. So we, you should have some notes, and so we are going right to it, because we've got a lot of ground to cover, and some scriptures as well. Uh, let's take, in our notes, while the Apostle is speaking to the Gentiles, we are learning much about Israel. We need to understand this so that we are aware of God's plan, and how it integrates into the Word of God. Why? Because there is much confusion around this subject. God is giving the proper account of things so that Israel will be confident that God is faithful and that the church understands their unique purpose. God opened his heart to us by allowing us in on his eternal purpose, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. That's Ephesians 3.9. Israel currently is currently not God's focus while the church is being built in Christ. What is your focus? So we're going to just jump right into these two verses. They're not huge uh, verses, but we're, we're going to break it down into three points. First one is, I am talking to you Gentiles. So Paul states that he is speaking or writing primarily to a Gentile audience. To note, many of the Jews hated him and considered him a traitor. And you, you probably remember when we went to Acts and we saw the plot to kill Paul. Just remember, they put Christ to death. right? They actually killed him by crucifying him. And here comes the Apostle Paul with Christ in him. And what do they want to do with him? Oh, the same thing. So there was this plot. We're not going to read the whole thing because I'm I'm going to give it to you to read. We've already read it, but I'll peruse it. This is Acts 23. So there was this, the next morning, some of the Jews, this is verse 12 of uh, chapter 23. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, we have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Uh, So we're talking about the chief priests. And then verse 15 brings the Sanhedrin into this. And remember, These people know, saw, the Pharisees saw very well because they were the ones that he went to to make sure that he could have the proper paperwork, be able to round up Christians, bring them before courts and have them try to recant or be killed. So this included women, families as well. So it wasn't just men. So this plot went on, and uh, you probably can read through here and see how it was thwarted by uh, someone uh, heard about the plot, went in and tipped off uh, the governor, and they worked it out so that Paul did not succumb to this, uh, this dastardly deed that was about to happen. But any, in any case, I just wanted you to know, Paul was hated. They hated Paul. I mean, there was another instance where he went into the uh, synagogue and he, he he made a vow and, and the Jews were so upset. And, you know, it was just terrible. They were ready to kill him on the spot. They were just incensed with the Apostle Paul. Uh. Paul was a sharp tool in the hands of God, especially as it related to Jewish people. He was His knowledge of how they understood things, how they thought about things, where they were wrong about things was uh, unique. So he had an inside view. And then God, the Holy Spirit, got hold of Paul, opened his eyes to what the truth was, and he was sharp. He was sharp. So in this case, it just incensed them even more. Point B in our notes. By Gentile, he understands that once in Christ, this is even though Paul talks about it like this, he understands that there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So he understood that, but even though we know who we are in Christ, our culture, our cultural background, where we came from speaks a lot about our orientation and how we understand things, whether we understand it from a Gentile perspective or from a Jewish perspective. So some, there are there are differences, but obviously the gospel is the same. And just like Paul said, is there any difference Not at all. Jews and Gentiles are alike, are all under the power of sin. So Jews and Gentiles have to come through the same door, although there is a history that Jews have that Gentiles do not. So God uses that rich history that we have in uh, the previous revelation, which we call the Old Testament, to speak to them, to tell them when Jesus was coming on the scene, to... Uh, through types and shadows and and all sorts of prophets were given uh, you know to tell us uh, well, to tell them uh, who Jesus was when he would get there what he would do on we don't have that history in our Gentile culture we just don't so there is uh, some differences culturally speaking but not when it comes to what Jews and Gentiles have to do point C as those who were racially Gentiles they would not culturally understand the claims that Israel leveled against God so uh, why would we as Gentiles even care we might say well why why do we care that Jews don't understand the mystery or that Jews have uh, accused God of not being honest or faithful to the Jewish nation. So it, we care because we're talking about God. The same God that we serve, the same God that we're united to, is the one who is the brunt of these accusations. So when we go to Romans 11, and we've gone to 9 and other places to show this, but I'm just going to stay right here in 11, and even back to 8 if we wanted to go back to 8, But we're not going back that far. We're just going to 11. One, I ask then, did God reject his people? Now, where would Paul get this idea? Why would he say this? And we already know from our context of 8, 9, 10, and all the way here in 11, that the Jews think that by God turning to the Gentiles, not just to the Gentiles, but him bringing about this new age where Jews and Gentiles alike are all in one body, uh, that that is in some way a violation of his word to them. So they're saying that an acceptance of the church is a rejection of Israel. So this is very serious. So you as a Gentile, do you care about this? Well, yes, you should. You should understand how it all works. If you are going to be a minister of reconciliation, you need to know how it all pans out. How did did God do this? How does it, what what is the the timeline of, of events of how this happened? We have that right here in scripture and we can answer any question that is posed in this area. And I'm not trying to be cocky or arrogant in any way, All I'm trying to say is that God has given us through the spirit of truth information that is coherent, spiritually logical when it comes to uh, unraveling what people consider very difficult. It is not very difficult when you have the spirit of truth. So that and then verse seven. I mean, really, the whole thing is God did not reject his people. Of course not course he didn't, which he foreknew he couldn't. If he foreknew them, then he, he's, he he saw them in his plan. Verse 7, what then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. The elect among them did. See, so that whole thing, they sought it so earnestly. They wanted justification before God. They It was one of the things that they lusted after, which is a terrible way to say it. But they wanted to be justified. They wanted to be righteous before God, and but they went about it the wrong way. And that's a lesson. It should be a lesson for the church. But we find uh, salvation by works creeping in, ever so, you know, insidiously creeping into their theology. Many. And so, what do we do? We have to stand for grace and recognize that that is what it's all about, grace, not about our works. It's free. It's a gift. It is not of ourselves. And when we look at it from that standpoint, we must maintain that. We cannot allow, even though you say those things, on the other hand, you begin to allow works into your theology. We have to stand for grace. We cannot allow it to be watered down. Um, you know it's almost like when you change the nature of human this is why we talk about the hypostatic union Christ hundred percent deity and a hundred percent humanity true humanity and one person forever so we can't mix the nature's because if you mix it you you destroy what was you cannot say a hundred percent anymore because now it's something other well when it comes to grace and works, we have the verse right here uh, in verse six. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. You destroy grace by adding works. You need to be very careful here. Some people are very, very lackadaisical, very clumsy, uh, very lenient when it comes to this. But guess who's not? God, we don't have any righteousness to uphold, so it's okay for us to add. Well, it's a little bit of little bit of works. What, what would that hurt? God is the one whose righteousness that He must protect, and you may not care about that. For you, it's like, oh, it's not that big a deal. For God, He He must maintain His righteousness one hundred percent. If he does not, he is not righteous. If he lets it slip even a tenth of a point from 99.999, but that one-tenth of a point, then he is not righteous. So all of these, the way salvation is, all of this is indicative of God's perfect righteousness. And he doesn't just provide salvation to us in this way that is perfect he also everything he does is done in righteousness we should know that everything he does is held to the same highest standard that that his righteousness is so we should we shouldn't even think otherwise point d in our notes here Th- this witness by paul is set is to set the record straight and to give the church a solid foundation in the will of God. And that's what's important for, you, for us who have a Gentile background. I know we've gone through a lot of scriptures about how Israel failed and what God did and, and how they shouldn't have failed. And they, what, they, what did they do? They, not only did they miss out on salvation because they were pursuing it from the law, but they missed out on what they were called to do in the first place which was to be ambassadors for God to the world one nation among the many nations in the world but they they could not fulfill that if they didn't f- fulfill the salvation plan themselves how are they going to take salvation to the world when they themselves needed it so it was, it was futile so but So why does he give us this information to this degree? We need to really examine that. So Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 through 20, I want to show you, it's foundational that we understand this, that you get this as well. So verse 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Those who were far away, he's talking about Gentiles. Those who were near, he's talking about Jews, just so you know. For, for through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So notice there's no, like the Jew has a, is, is a primary, uh, has precedence. or, No, we both have the same access. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile. We are now ushered into the presence of God. With uh, This is something that God has given us in this age through the work of Christ on our behalf verse 19 consequently you are no longer foreigners and strangers he's talking about gentiles who that's what they were but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household so now we are in the plan of God when it says for those he foreknew he's talking about uh, well in in our 11 he's talking about the Jews but when he when he, in Romans 8 where it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined, those he predestined, he also. He's talking about us and this new uh, dispensation where Jews and Gentiles are in the same body. It's like it says, we we both have access by one spirit. So we're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And here it is built on the foundation of apostles of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. So the apostles, obviously, we know who they are, and the prophets are New Testament prophets. Don't get it mixed up with Old Testament prophets. Because wh- why do we say that? Because Old Testament prophets, this was this information was hidden from them. They didn't know it. In any form, whether it was prophecy or any way, it was hid in God. It wasn't hid in some, some cryptic language or numerology or some other way that people talk about. Uh, there's some mystery in the scriptures. No, it was hid in God. He didn't tell anybody about it at all. So it's only New Testament prophets. Let's just make that point. So that is the foundation of the church. And we need this so that the Jews may want to paint a different story. Oh, yeah, God's unfaithful. You know, you can't call the church. You can't do this. You can't. No, no. God did what he did, and he was very deliberate about it. The direction of what he did in the church is his eternal purpose. And here, this verse is telling us that we need to pay attention to this so that we know that we are on solid footing. Point number two, so I am talking to you Gentiles. Point number two is in as much as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry. First, the apostle Paul understands that in this this new age, he is not a Pharisee. I mean, that's a big thought. Listen, to be a Pharisee the way the apostle Paul was was a big deal. He wasn't just your average Jew. He was a Pharisee. I mean, this is huge. I mean, this is a professional religious person. He's not just somebody in the in, as a Jew. He's a professional religious person in terms of, it took it's his whole day and his whole existence was based on the Mosaic law and making sure that he kept the law in every aspect that it was given. Now, obviously he failed miserably in this, but the Pharisees, because of their efforts, developed an arrogance and felt like that they had some leverage with God because of their uh, works. So not only did the Pharisees think that, but the people, Who even, they they said, well, we can't do what they do. They're close to God, right? There's no way that we can possibly, we gotta go to work, we gotta do all these things. These were, that's what they did. They walked around keeping the law, whatever they could do to show people that they were keeping the law. So the fact that Paul does not lead with the fact that he is a Pharisee, or hey, by the way, I used to be a Pharisee. You know what? None of that is mentioned he mentions it in a negative way in philippians to let people in philippians 3 to let people know that as far as that is concerned he considers it dumb a loss for the sake of knowing christ jesus my lord he says and that's huge talk about a turnaround a story of somebody changing 180 degrees where well, you got the Apostle Paul right here as a Pharisee. That's a, you know it's a small point to think about but you, you need to understand when he says I am the Apostle to the Gentiles. Listen, and as far as the Jews were concerned, Pharisee was way more prestigious. In fact, Apostle to the Gentiles is some sect that's false but yet the Apostle Paul made it work Point B, second, he understands he had been appointed as, quote, the apostle to the Gentiles. So he's not just taking that name for himself. You could think, okay, well, you know how people today are, you know, like I'm prophet so-and-so, Jones, or I'm apostle uh, so-and-so, Smith, you know, they, they have taken that apostle, or prophet, or bishop, or whatever name they want. They just pick, pick whatever name they feel like will give them the most prestige, and they just take that unto themselves. But the Apostle Paul didn't do that. God gave him this calling, this mantle. God did. So he understood that, and that is how he saw himself as God, what God called him to be. Point C is the apostles got together and confirmed this designation as well. Let's go to Galatians 2. We're going to look at 6 through 10 to see how this all played out. Galatians 2, 6 through 10. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. Now, who's he talking about held in high esteem? He's talking about the... The other apostles, by the way. God does not show favoritism. They, the other apostles, added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised. Notice, it didn't say they somehow got together and laid their hands on Paul and said, Okay, Paul, this is how we're going to do this. We're going to divvy it up this way. No. God gave Paul this calling. All they did is confirm. They recognized it. That's what it says. They recognized that I have been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised. And then they say, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. So Peter was given the, the, the task or the calling of preaching the gospel to the Jews, right? So Paul went to the Gentiles Peter went to the Jews. But guess what? They had the same message. Let's keep reading. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. So there, it's very clear to me that it is God who's doing the working, but God is wise as a serpent. Right? He's decided to not only just say, oh, you just, everybody could just go wherever they want. No, he had it designated who should go where, right? God split up the work and had Paul do some of it, take the responsibility of some, Paul and Barnabas and others. But then, primarily, but then Peter to the circumcised, or the Jews. Verse nine, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. When they recognized the grace given me. So notice, it wasn't something that they did. They just recognized it. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the the circumcised. So they recognized that this is a smart way to proceed. And that's exactly what they did. Verse 10, all they asked was that we continue to remember the poor, the very thing I have been eager to do all along. So this is... This is how it all shook out. When Paul talks about inasmuch I am the apostle to the Gentiles. That's how it all works out. That's Paul got it from God. All the gifts come from God. As we know, if we read in um, Ephesians chapter 4, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, and he gave uh, some pastor teachers. Right? So... it it is clear that all the gifts come from God. Point D, as Paul was a Pharisee, there is no shame at all in assuming this new role. It shows how Paul understood and embraced his calling. He was truly transformed. Now just imagine, built into what a Pharisee is, there is a natural disdain for Gentiles, natural, because they taught separatism. They taught, you know, don't touch the unclean thing, don't be associated with Gentiles. But really, Paul was truly transformed. None yeah. of that, you could see none of that in his writings. Obviously, it's God, the Holy Spirit, directing him to write what he did, but the vessel had to also like, like Paul really understood this. He really did have this transformed mind. So we see Peter going to the circumcision group, but Peter had some ambivalence, right? Where you saw where he was eating with the Gentiles. In fact, in Galatians 2, if you keep reading, that's what you would get. So he was truly transformed. Point E I take pride in my ministry, is the next, the last phrase there. So my hope is that we will do. Or would do the same. And that is 2 Corinthians 5. You know the scripture. We've read it. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5. 18 through 20. So it says. All this is from God. Who reconciled us. Saved us. right Through Christ. And gave us the ministry. Of reconciliation. He gave us that ministry. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This is ours. We, we, we own this. We are, therefore, Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's big for us, That's the ministry we have. And that's every one of us. Point F. It seems many in the church are still looking back toward Israel for their conduct after salvation when we have a new way of life. So this is important for us to know. I want to read the scriptures. I know our time could be fleeting, but we need to read them. So Romans chapter 7, 4 through 6. Let's see. 7 4 we got a new way of life but yet many people do not focus on the new way they somehow feel they take their precedence their modus operandi from Israel and this is where their noses land when they look at the scriptures so Romans 7 four. so my brothers and sisters you also died to the law through the body of Christ so that you might belong to another to him who was raised from the dead in order that you might that we might bear fruit for God see so if you're looking at the law you're not bearing fruit for God verse 5 for when we were in the realm of the flesh the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death but now by dying to that what to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not the old way of the written code. So, this is the fact that we have the spirit changes everything, and I mean, we are no longer to conduct ourselves in ways. Where people had no clue, we are now going to be Israelites, no matter what. Israelites can never be who what we are in Christ, it's unless they are in this this age. Right. This is the only way a person who has Jewish of Jewish descent could be in the church, like the Apostle Paul was. So also, we need to read uh, John four twenty three and twenty four. This is also. <clears throat> speaks about our way of life 23 and 24 says jesus is talking to the woman at the well yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth so just imagine are you worshiping according to the law is there some religion in your worship then it is not according to what is true worship The true worshipers will worship the Father, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And what do we have? What is the Holy Spirit's name that is given to us? The Spirit of Truth. So this is the only way we could worship God. According to this new revelation that has been revealed and that eye has not seen ear has not heard This is the wisdom that was destined for our glory before time began This is the mind of Christ. So as we look at all of this the deep things of God This is the way We are to worship and in the scripture that I could have also thrown in there is Colossians since then you have been risen, raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, not on earthly things. So it is important how we worship. It's not just the fact that we go through the motions of worship, but our worship is influenced, motivated by God the Holy Spirit, who is also the Spirit of truth. Uh, And it gets into a whole lot as we think about that. But we're going to move on. Point G. More evidence of Paul's testimony and transformation. I don't think I need to read all of these scriptures. I want you, though, to read it Because Paul talks about he takes pride in his ministry. He came from somewhere. And he noted this. I'm going to read a couple of them. But I'm going to leave the rest for you. So Acts 26 nine through eleven, Acts twenty six, nine through eleven reads this way um, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of, of Jesus of Nazareth. And that I, and that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. This is his testimony. Talk about complete transformation. And I want to go back to Galatians. We'll we'll go there. Galatians chapter 1, he's not ashamed of what he did, uh, verse 13, so uh, he says, for, for you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it, down to verse 23, they only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, so uh, oh, I, I want to read the First Corinthians 15 one and then we'll let you read the oh, they're all good. First uh, Corinthians fifteen, they all have something to say, um, eight through eleven, at and last, well he verse seven. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and verse eight and and last of all. He appeared to me also as one abnormally born. In other words, Paul, he was an apostle just like the rest of them, but he didn't come the same way they did. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, no. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me, with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is the, what we preach, and this is what you believed. So, uh, and the Timothy one is good, I'll let you read that one on your own, but just to know Paul's transformation, he had no shame in his game at all. He understood what God wanted from him and he marched toward it. He Not only did he march, but he ran toward the goal. Uh, so point number three, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry. Point three, in the hope that I may somehow arouse my people to envy and save some of them. So we've just got a few points here and we'll go through them. The demonstration of the Spirit in Paul was overwhelming and a testimony to his own people, Israel. So when, this is, I think it's good to go through a couple of these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 3 through 5. Here it is. 1 Corinthians 2. For I resolved, oh, let's see, yeah. <clears throat> Verse 3. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So, in other words, the miracles, the signs, the wonders—how how Paul demonstrated those things and 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 openly uh, people began to see the direction of God, how God was working in this man. Second Corinthians 12.12 is another important passage in this regard. Second Corinthians 12.12 says, it's a short verse. He says, I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle. And what are they? Including signs, wonders, and miracles. So there, Paul was mighty in God. God showed, he gave Paul his credentials, basically, to let people know that this man is speaking my words. And how did he do it? Through power, through signs, wonders, and miracles. Important to note. So those those that thinking of how, you know, when you think about other people who want to, claim the name apostle, I, I don't think, uh, well, it's very clear that that's not the case. But, so, Paul says, in the hope that I might arouse some of my people to envy and save some of them, point B is Paul loved Israel. It's one thing, even though he was a, he was appointed apostle to the Gentiles, he loved his people, Israel, but they hated him even more. So, when we read Romans 9, 1 through 3, we see some of the things Paul said this is what he said, 9, 1 through 3. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. Right? I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I wish, I could wish that I myself could were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. Only somebody who really loves his people would say something like that. Could, and he says this the truth. I'm, I'm not lying here. I'm, the, the Lord, my, the Holy Spirit can bear witness to the fact that I'm telling you this, and this is sincere. Paul is saying, I wish that were the case. What an honorable thought that Paul has uh, for the sake of his people. Point C. God has not forsaken his people, which he foreknew. And no, he didn't. He never did. Uh, And Paul, from Romans chapter 11, Paul says, I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. In other words, I'm saved and in the church. So God certainly didn't forsake his people. Paul is saying God called him and now he is in the church and he is justified. Very thing that Israel sought so desperately. Point D, the word envy here, just to give you some background, it means to stimulate alongside. That's that para, right? And to excite to rivalry, provoke to emulation or jealousy. And that comes from strong. So we just have a couple more points. uh, You know, Paul is literally trying to stir the pot. He's trying to stir the Jews to action. And they know, the Jews know, they came from signs, wonders, and miracles to let them know that God was there. Uh, That's how they were uh, taken out of Egypt. I was going to say released, but God took them, from Egypt using signs, wonders, and miracles, right? That's how the power um, of God was displayed in the freeing those slaves and making them into a nation. All of that was God's divine power. And then we go back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, again, it was all God. So, yeah. Hopefully, Israel would begin to see that, hey, this is something's going on here with this church. So, point E through the church's success, the obvious direction of God, right? And this is what I mean by their success God demonstrated through the church his power, it's like we read in 1 Corinthians 2. Perhaps Israel's attention will be captured, and in this way, some may be saved. Like the apostle himself. If we wanted to use him as an example, like he did. Like he saw the miracle signs and wonders and he himself uh, believed in Christ and was saved. And God appointed him to be an apostle. Imagine that. Point F. One objective for the church is to minister to the Jews and the Gentiles in this world. So, 1 Corinthians 10, 32 and 33. Let's read that. And this is all the way at the end of the chapter. So it is about not causing people to stumble, right? Um, eating meat, sacrifice to idols and so forth. And there was a, apparently a big controversy in the early church about all this. So this is what Paul concludes with. In verse 32, he says, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. So there's three categories of people here. Jews, we know who they are. Those who have the genes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob or or converted to Jews. Greeks also is representative of Gentiles here or the church of God. So Jews and Gentiles or the church of God. This is three categories of people in verse 33 even as i try to please everyone in every way for i am not seeking my own good but the good of many so that they may be saved so we it is our objective to not just uh, exist in the church and you know but we want to be sharp uh, and be able to handle the word of God accurately as we give the gospel as we are ambassadors and we want to cut through all of the voices, the many voices that are out there today that are distorting the truth and watering it down and all of those tactics that Satan is using we want to be able to be aware we are not, as the scripture says, we are not ignorant of his devices. We're going to wrestle with the principalities and powers, and we're going to prevail over them. It says we will bring everything in subjection to the obedience of Christ. So this is our objective in the world, but on the other side of it, we ought to grow in grace and uh, have our minds transformed by the renewing of our minds as well so that we understand not only the gospel, but our true calling which is the uniqueness that we have in Christ. So point G, Paul's attitude was modeled for us perfectly. Let's review it. And that's go back 1 Corinthians 9, we were in 10 and this is 19 through 23. It says, though I am free, I belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone. Notice, he's a slave To everyone else. It reminds me of what he said in Romans chapter one. I am a debtor to both Jews and Greeks. He's saying, I owe them something. Why does, look at the attitude. He doesn't walk around saying, well, if they get it, they get it. If they don't, they don't. No, he's saying, I owe them this. How can I make it so that I am relevant to be able to pay them, that I can speak into their lives this message so that, so as he says here, to win as many as possible. And he gives examples. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, right? He, he understood how the Jews thought, right? To win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those. He understood what it was like. He talked to those. He, 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 he got into their thinking so that he could properly witness to them. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law." Well, he didn't approach people not having the law like like he did the same for those having the law. He understood the differences and the distinctions, and he made the effort to understand that. Those not having the law became like one not having the law, though I am free. Uh, He says, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. So he's recognizing that he's living under the Christian way of life, right? So he's subject to the person of Christ. Christ is his Lord. For him to act as if that's not true, that's not true. He, he, he can't do that. So he says, um, to the weak I became weak. This is verse 22, to win the weak. Notice he sympathized. He empathized with people in order to win them. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might sh- I may share in its blessings. So s- notice, it's blessings, right? It is just a blessing to be able to give the gospel and fulfill the calling that we have received. So we could talk more, obviously, about these things. But that is why we have some Q&A. And um, so not only today, but for Sundays too, but I will stop at this point and open the floor for any questions you may have. We have a little bit of time. Sorry we don't have more. But the floor is open. thing to, uh, to forget, or where the scripture is, when it talks about the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church. Oh, that was the one I just quoted in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. By the way, welcome Bill. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Thank you. And that's verse... Uh, yeah. At the end, uh, well, where is it? 32 and 33. Yeah. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the Church of God. Yeah. Well, that's a powerful scripture to a lot of people that don't understand that there three designations of humanity on the earth. That's right. And you might even, even though you might say that there are three designations of humanity, that's true. But in one sense, the Church of God is. Ooh, we're not of this world, but I know what you're saying, yes. More could be said about that. But yes, there are three categories, clearly. And how do we know that that's, could it be more? No, not in Paul's mind, because he says, even as I try to please everyone in every way. So he, he considers those three categories everyone. Now we know if you're a Jew, if you're just a Gentile in this world, right? that means you're not saved you're lost you haven't accepted the gospel because if you believe in Christ in this age you're in the church automatically you are baptized into the body first corinthians 12 thirteen you're baptized into the body of Christ the moment you believe in Christ so if you're a Jew in this age or Gen now obviously this doesn't account for people who don't know what they are you know, like they think they're a jew but really they think they're a gentile but really they've been baptized into the person of christ and they don't know yet it doesn't count for that but i'm talking about a person who is a jew or is a gentile well they're not in where you want to be in this scenario obviously is the church of god yeah other thoughts out there All right. Sounds like we are going to conclude. Then I know we're we're already into the hour here. So, and uh, I'm, I can I can actually give you a couple of minutes back. I have a thought. Oh. Okay, Dave. Go ahead. What's up? Um, okay, I was reading yesterday on Google. And this lady, she was in and tech she was she was pregnant, so the cops gave her a ticket. So she was saying to the cops, Well uh, I'm in a right lane 'cause I have a unborn a child with me. So the cops say, Well, the fact that you had to, um uh, you have a you you have an unborn child, that don't mean the fact that you know it, it is what it is so the lady she has a sense to believe that she, 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 she can give, give, give life i don't know if anybody read that i didn't catch that yeah we only know only only god can human life men can give life that's right we can't create life procreation is not a matter of creating life. In every case, God creates life. So, yeah. So, what you're saying, she put it to the test by driving in the HOV lane and saying she had a baby on board, huh? Quite quite interesting. Well, you know what we're going to do, Dave? We're going to take that offline because I hear a lot of background noise. And, um but, and we're right at the end but we can discuss this in more detail obviously um, if you li- like but I'm hearing a lot of background noise so we're going to close we're going to close at this point we're going to revisit Dave's question at another time it, and I guess it has to do with God giving life and when does it happen and all of that which we have discussed in the past so it's not a new subject for us but we will discuss it in a little more detail. But let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time you've given us this evening. We thank you for those who've called in, the questions and thoughts. Thank you for, the, for their participation and their diligence to seek you. And we know you will reward them with the blessing of yourself. We thank you, Father, as we close this evening. We pray that you will bring us again on Sunday as we continue our focus there in John chapter 17. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.